I know that must have been like a very bad thing for you to watch, but I got to tell you, it brought me so much joy when it happened. Welcome to Checking Out the Competition, Boston Bruins edition number one. (laughs) We're joined by Dan Ryan of Stanley Cup of Chowder. Dan, how are you doing tonight? Doing well. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Apparently my cat is also good because he won't shut up. Anyway, um, so I guess I'll start off by asking you kind of like high-level Bruins stuff. Um, The Bruins lost some kind of big-name pieces over the offseason, Tori Krug and Zdeno Chara, most notably. Um, how has the team been dealing with losing what I assume were two pretty important pieces on the defense? Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, they're two very uh, different players. They're both defensemen, but one's arguably one of the premier um, offensive defensemen in the league at the to- at this moment, and the other one is a guy who's never been known for offenses and is definitely in the twilight of his career. So they kind of lost a a solid defensive defenseman and a very good offensive defenseman. Um, Interestingly, though, thus far, you know, you could probably argue a lot of it's due to goaltending, but their defense hasn't been terrible. You know, they've they've had, I think they have given up, they gave up a goal last game, um, lost a, a couple others in overtime. I'm sorry, lost in overtime one in the shootout so it's not like their defense is letting them down um but i do think you know they're struggling haven't scored a five on five goal yet which is mm. remarkable i mean three games pretty uh you know not too long but to not score an even strength goal is pretty uh, hard to do kind of but big, um, yeah. <laughs> you know you know that not so much char but krug well he was great on the power play uh and that's where you know he made his money so to speak he he was also really good at, um, you know, I think generating solid uh, zone exits, which lead to good rushes the other way and odd man chances, things like that. Um, and, you know, in the first few games, it's not that, that it's been glaringly absent, but I think if you look hard enough, you might be able to put two and two together. And, you know, while, while Charlie McAvoy has been great um, and he, you know, has that talent as well, uh, part of me thinks that it's a place where they might miss a guy like Cruz who you know who, who he could skate it out if he had to you know there were times last year where or previous years really that he and david Postner, who's out too would do a set play where crook would shoot a slap shot from the opposite blue line and have parson not go chase it things like that um so you know i think i think if we're being honest i, I i'm sad they let chara go i think it was dumb but i think at this point the impact of losing krug is probably a lot more noticeable and you know it's not as bad as i think some people feared because like i said the defense has been relatively fine um haven't gotten blown out they haven't given up you know six goals yet or anything like that but i do think that krug's that that element of krug's game um would probably benefit them at this time would it be you know a huge difference maker maybe not but it certainly wouldn't hurt a team that isn't doing much scoring right now yeah, I'm glad you mentioned uh, Pasternak because obviously I want to ask about him too. That's kind of a big deal. Um, like you said, I'm assuming that's kind of impacting the scoring a bit. Obviously, the and when I think about the Bruins, I mean, I think about that top line, like I'm sure everyone does. And losing a piece of that is obviously going to be a problem because 
I would say, I mean, I would assume that a large part of the Bruins success over the last few years is, you know, can be attributed to that line. Um, I did read that he has been starting to skate recently. Um, is there any timeline for when he might come back or is it still up in the air? Yeah, I believe he's, he was at practice today, um, in non-contact, a non-contact Jersey. So he's not quite ready yet, but I believe the original time frame was, um, mid-February, but I think last um, Cassidy talked about it, they said he was slightly ahead of schedule, so I would assume um, you know, barring a, a really quick improvement, maybe a couple weeks at least um, you know, because it's it's kind of surprising that it's already Feb- uh, January 20th, so February is really only about a week and a half away, so I think he could be back within a couple weeks, but you know, there, there's there's going to be time it takes for him to get up to speed too. So the problem is, you know, if he's back in two weeks and it takes him two weeks to get his legs underneath him, you know, we're a month into the season and if the Bruins still can't score in a short season and in a good division, um, yeah, good division, you know, they could be in trouble pretty early. So, um, you know, I do think that he's, he's a pure scorer and he will really help the power play. So it's not like, you know, he's a speed guy who really needs to get his legs back, but you have to think there's going to be a period of adjustment for him to get going. So, you know, it could be another three weeks to a month before the Bruins have um, him back and are are kind of firing on all cylinders. And, you know, the tough part is who knows who else they might lose in that time. So it's, it's just kind of tough when it's, you know, a rocky start really for every team, just based Mm -hmm. on the weirdness of it all. Um, But then you're without, you know, the best goal score your team more than a decade probably um in a short season where you already lost an offensive piece like Krug so you know it's not ideal but the team has looked okay thus far um so I think if they can kind of hang around without Pasternak when he gets back it should be a big boost for both five on five and um the power play as well Okay, so let's get into these three games that the Bruins have played so far. Um, they're playing tonight. Is that happening? No, oh, no, no. no? Okay. You have, you have that weird kind of crappy early season stretch of days off. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. like, like they you know, they, I think they they went to Monday night. So they played Monday at five, and now they have Tuesday. Wednesday off completely, and then they're playing Thursday. And it seems like most of the season's every other game, so it kind of, kind of stinks to have two days off, only three games in. Yeah, right. <laughs> you really like, no, they've only played three, so they they played Monday night. Okay, yeah. So they're one win, one loss, one overtime loss. Um, and the big story as you, it's nice. Yeah, right. Just you know, getting everything out of the way early. Um, as you mentioned, kind of the big story with the Bruins early in the season is that you guys can't seem to buy a goal, which is pretty wild given the very talented offense that the Bruins have. Um, what is going on? What is going on there? Is it just that Pasternak is out and that piece of that top line has just thrown everything off? Like, I mean, we've lost Sean Couturier and it is very obvious that when you lose a piece of your top line, everything kind of starts to go a little bit wonky. So it's understandable, but is, is that what it is or is there something deeper going on? I would argue it's a little of a few different things. So obviously 
with Pasternak out, you know, the the all of the lines really are at least a little screwed up. Um, you know, so you have someone moving up where they should be down or someone moving to a wing where they should be on the other side, things like that. And then the fact that um, they lost Andre Kasha um, a game and a half into the season two um, for who knows how long. Seems like it might be a little while. So, you know, you, you're out your your top right wing. When Kasha went out, you're out your second right wing. So all of a sudden, um, on Monday, I believe, at least for a time, they had Jake DeBrusque, who's played left wing for his entire NHL career, playing as the first line right wing. So, you know, I think stuff like that hurts. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I also do think there's an element of, you know, to say luck is, is a little bit of a cop-out, but they're really not playing poorly. Um, the game against the Islanders on Monday, they, they really played pretty well, I'd say, in all three zones. Um, you know, they got beaten on a, a puck battle out of the air late in the third period, or else they probably would have gotten another point at least out of that that game. Um, so, you know, I, I don't think it's it, that saying luck is really the right way to put it, but I guess it, it's definitely not time to panic. Like, it's not like they've looked completely hopeless. Um, they've looked pretty good for stretches of the first three games here. So, you know, is it a fluke that they haven't scored five on five yet? Probably. Um and, you know, do I expect it to continue? No, definitely not. But I do think the, you know, the lineup being a little bit in a state of flux because of, like you mentioned, the injuries uh, certainly doesn't help because these guys are coming off of a, a weird off season, coming into a weird season and a lot, or at least, you know, a decent amount of them are playing with new line mates. So it takes time to figure out where your wing is going to be or figure out, you know, what plays you're going to run, things like that. So. I think that has a lot to do with, I do think some of it is just, you know, pucks aren't bouncing their way right now. Whereas on, on the other side, the pucks seem to be bouncing against them um, when it counts. So, you know, it, it's not great, but it's three games and it's definitely too early to, to, I think, really be concerned about it. You know, 13 games in, maybe three games, you kind of have to take it as it comes. Yeah, that's kind of the problem with early in the season is, is it's like, it's both easy to gloss over problems because it's such a small sample size and it's easy to magnify things that might not be that serious. It's like a very weird when there's only a few games, you kind of, yeah. yeah, everything's a little bit wonky. Well, and I think, I think there's an element too of at least, and I know my Bruins fans aren't unique in this, but um, there's, there's definitely an element of, a poor, a poor in the eyes of many offseason combined with a poor finish in the bubble combined with just kind of fans being starved for any sort of hockey and glad it's backs. So they kind of just want 3-0 to start the season. And if anything goes wrong, all of a sudden it becomes a huge deal. But I do think the the offseason, um, you know, they signed Craig Smith, which is, is good depth. But I think a lot of fans uh, were expecting a bigger splash. And... I know I, I can't putting on my uh, armchair psychologist hat here and psychoanalyzing <laughs> brutes, which is never a good idea because we're a bit of a weird bunch uh, at our core, I think. But um, I think a lot of the impatience, um, I think it's only going to get worse if it continues in this kind of mediocre stretch, just because I think if you took the pulse of a lot of fans, 
Um, they're not happy with what happened this offseason between Krug leaving, um, Chara leaving, and then really the only addition being Smith. Um, and, you know, the Bruins fans thought they were in on everyone from, um, you know, Hall to Mike Hoffman. And then um, who's the other guy? Uh, Dodonov, who signed elsewhere. It seemed like every free agent forward that came up, um, Bruins fans were convinced that he was going to sign here and never really panned out. So I do think there's a little bit of um, off-season angst kind of hanging over this team as well. And I think they could use a stretch of good games to kind of let help help the fans get over it. This is one of my favorite things is when you find out that, you know, two very oppositional fan bases don't really like each other at all. Philly sports fans and Boston sports fans, not a lot of love there. You find out that we're all actually very, very much alike because Flyers fans also, every single offseason, convince themselves that the Flyers are going to sign every top name free agent. And when they don't, they lose their minds. Like, even if there's no reason to think that the Flyers are actually going to sign one of these guys, every time they sign someplace else, it's like some kind of giant failure on the part of the team. And it's like, no, that's not how this works. The reason, you know, Bruins fans and Flyers fans have a, a bit of a rivalry is because they're the exact same. Neither side would admit it, but it's like, it's like, it's true. It's from the same family who grew up in different states, but at their <laughs> core, they're the exact same. Cities are both old, you know, old by American standards cities. They both have, you know, love hate diehard relationships with their sports teams and i just i think that's part of it it's every sport it's you know whether it's the sixers or the eagles or who or the flyers yep whoever else it's always the same so yeah everyone you know we're not like philly yeah sure okay we're all the same. <laughs> it's, it's fun that's what makes it fun but yeah it's ever oh, the bruins are gonna sign i remember i got a message on uh <laughs> on the the facebook page for stanley cup chowder over the summer that and i and I don't knock anyone for sending us a message. We're happy to talk to you. But it's like, what do you think about the Bruins signing Petrangelo? It's like, no. With what? With what? <laughs> they have about three million dollars in cap space. Why would they do it? So, yeah, everyone's signing here, and when they don't, it's a disaster. And I think, you know, there is a legitimate gripe because the Bruins they they got Smith, and Smith's a good complimentary scorer. But you know. Poor David Krejci has been playing with a, a cardboard cutout on his right wing for the better part of what six years now, um, and you know he's he's going to be done soon. His contract's up. He might be moving on or retiring. So you, know, you could argue that yes, they needed that, but the fact that they didn't, you know, it's just it's like it's like kids at Christmas. It's like they just want every toy on the market, mm-hmm. and. If they don't get it, it's a disaster. So I, I do, I guess it's a, it's a long-winded way of saying that I think that kind of, oh, I want him and I want him um, attitude is still kind of hanging over a lot of fans. So that has something to do with the attitude um, to start the season here. So one thing that is going well for the Bruins right now and always seems to be going well for the Bruins is uh, both Tuka Rask and Yaroslav Halak have really good numbers. And obviously, like we've been saying, it's only three games. But it seems like the Bruins' goaltending is always just, like, rock solid, which is, first of all, extremely annoying for me personally. Um, But also, it's just like, is there any reason to think that Tukarask is going to 
at some point not be this guy because I mean he's getting older, but he doesn't seem to be showing any sign whatsoever of no, dipping in performance. It, it, it's funny you would say that because every it seems like every other hockey fan uh, uh, outside of, of Bruins fans would would have a similar opinion that the Bruins have had you know elite to very very good goaltending for the past you know ten years or so. But there's still a very large and vocal segment of the fan base that um, is still, uh, you know, has a Tim Thomas poster hanging oh, no. above their banners. <laughs> Rask does to him. So, you know, it's just one of those things where, and again, no, you know, this is a Philly podcast, so I could poke fun at the Flyers. But you see, you hear people saying, you know, oh, Rask is never going to win the good, the big game, you know, like, look at the Flyers over the past 10 years years Listen. it's taken them nine to get <laughs> to get a goalie and they have one now which is great but i i think for a guy like rask yeah he's got to slow down at some point and he's had off years um by his standards here and there but uh the fact that they got halak and, and, and in halak got a um backup they could count on was was huge for rask because you know th- these guys are human they're not all like um you know poor Henrik Lundqvist who the Rangers ran into the ground for forever um you know six games a season things like that you know they're gonna burn out and Rask seems like someone who's um particularly affected by that so the fact that they have a backup now and can play Rask you know 60 65 another time instead of 80 is huge but you know the big thing with him is his contract is up um after this season and like said he's not getting any younger so the the interesting thing will be to see if you know if and i don't see it happening but if this season starts to go south for the bruins um you know they i I do think they could look at you know they'd have to go really far south i guess but they could look at moving him at the deadline just because they'd get a lot for him um and you know you hear rumors about colorado wanting rask or edmonton or whoever else i don't think it will happen but he he's been kind of non-committal about if he even wants to keep playing and you know like more power to him if he's ready to hang him up you know good for him but it's just tough because he's been so um for so long and i, I really think in some ways he's he's similar to chara where bruins fans aren't gonna realize or appreciate what they had or having him um you know until five years down the line when they don't have a goalie anymore so <laughs> yeah it's always like that <laughs> yeah and Chara too, you know, Chara's a guy who's who's never who's never gonna get the you know the the highlights. He's not gonna be the flashiest guy, but um, you know, he's someone who was so good at what he did for so long that it's gonna take the benefit of hindsight, um, you know, to look back on it in a few years and realize how good he was. And I think Rask is similar. So, you know, when the Bruins are playing the equivalent of of um what was the guy's name, Michael Layton, or the Flyers guy mm-hmm. who was in there for mm-hmm. a while or Mm-hmm. all these random goalies who they're going to have to cycle through in a few years you know rask is going to be looking pretty good to even the <laughs> the biggest haters but you know i think time time's ticking on that he's not going to be as good as he is forever um and he's getting older so really i think last year the last three years you know this year included are probably the bruins last real kicks at the can for for a couple of years at least 
thinking about Tuka Rask on the Avalanche is like almost too much for me. That team's already too good. Like they can't, they can't also have a goaltender that's that good. Yeah, well, I, I, it would be I unfair. You know, I don't, I don't know. I probably shouldn't have even said it because I don't think it's going to happen. I, even even if they because <laughs> because he he you know he. I actually think his clause might have expired. I think that was in his contract. So maybe, but you know, like I said, it would have to go, you know, they'd have to be in like second to last in the division with no real climbing up because I think Sweeney, Sweeney knows that, that he's running out of time with this group and it would, it would trading Rask to me would be, uh, regardless of how poor it's going would be the ultimate waving of the white flag. So I, I, if it comes to that, I mean, It'd be good for us because Things the takes are real bad. <laughs> People love wild takes on on Stanley <laughs> Cup of <laughs> but you know I, I don't see it happening. I just think again, n- not to make fun of the Flyers, but you you guys know what it's like to have a, a carousel in net for for years, and the Bruins really haven't had that problem since you go all the way back to two thousand eight, really. Which is when Thomas took over, and then ever since then it's been either Thomas or Rask. So, you know, we're spoiled by that, and and it's going to be a rude awakening, I think, when uh, when Rask hits the road at some point. So, one more guy I want to talk about specifically, um, because it seemed like he was starting to make a little bit of noise, and I think he might be hurt. Matt Grizzlick is he out of the lineup right now? He 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 left the game Monday, but um, practiced today and appears to be fine um okay maybe a little banged up but it seems like he's not going to miss any time so we kind of dodged a bullet there with um it looked like a pretty you know uncomfortable arm elbow injury but apparently he's he's going to be fine okay so let's get into these flyers games a little bit um what would you say if you had to identify something that would I guess be the most difficult thing for the Flyers to work through in this game, like something that might give them fits from this Bruins team, apart from the goaltending, because I think that's obvious. But what would you say is the thing that's going to be the hardest for the Flyers to get through on this Bruins team? I mean, I I would say they still have, even without uh, Pasternak, they still have two-thirds of of what I – you know, unbiased opinion think is the best line in the league. <laughs> so you know, the, the, I think I think that people forget, or you know, because Pasta knocks out, people kind of lo- overlook the fact that the Bruins still do have a lot of um, you know high end talent up front. Mm-hmm. And I know the Flyers' defense has gotten better over the years, and and same in goaltending. So it's not exactly a offensive juggernaut versus a you know a sieve or anything. But I do think that. You know the Bruins' power play is still good. They still have high-end talent up front, even without Pasternak. So I think that's tough for you know any team to deal with. Um, so the, you know the Flyers are no exception. It's just a matter of you know them putting it all together because they've had mm-hmm. stretches of you know good possession play, good uh, cycling. You know things like that. It's been great. It's just that the finish hasn't been there. So and you know in some ways at some point the dam's going to break. Um, yeah. you know, and, and I hate to be the team on the other end when, when they finally put it all together because when the, they're, they're humming, you know, they're a tough team to beat, but I just think, you know, the flyers are a good team as well. So it's not like it's going to be uneven, but I do still think, you know, Bergeron, Marshawn, whoever's up there with them, um, 
tomorrow night is still going to be a handful, regardless of, of how good the defense is on the Philly side. See, I, I actually am a little bit worried about that um, because the Flyers are a little bit banged up. And even when they weren't, the defense is a bit of a problem <laughs> right now. Um, so it's it's a little thin back there. So I am a little bit concerned, I would say, well, heading into these games. That I, <laughs> I think you could make the same argument the other way, though, too, because you know, yeah, we 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 know that Philly has some really high end talent too. You know, maybe not quite. I mean, now because Pasternak, so I'd say maybe not quite at that Bergeron, Marshawn, Pasternak level at at their best. But the the Bruins' defense is young um, and kind of figuring it out on on the fly mm. right now. So it, it's interesting because you know, in some ways, the teams are you could, you could almost argue they're like passing each other on 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 train tracks going in the opposite direction, where you know the Flyers yeah. are, are talented and young and you know, on the way up when the Bruins are talented, aging and perhaps on the way down. <laughs> I don't I don't want to say that. I don't want to speak it into existence, but you know, young young defenses and talented forward groups and good goaltending, just kind of one team's getting older in a not great way and one team's getting older in a good way, more experienced and stuff like that. So Yeah. It's interesting. I, I think I think you know the fact that they play each other so much this season. Um, you know, I think the Flyers and the Flyers fans will learn a lot about their team by playing. You know, the Bruins, Capitals, Penguins, all of them mm-hmm. so much, and the, the Bruins too are going to learn how much they have left in the tank by playing these teams with good young talent. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm into this whole Bruins in the division thing. Maybe not forever, but. For one year, it's going to be fun because Bruins Flyers games, I think, are always like they're always a, a pretty good game to watch. So getting extra ones is not I'm not mad at it, to be honest yeah. with you, even if, you know, I a mean, lot of times for, the Bruins. For, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, for us, it's just I, I'm or I can't speak for all Bruins fans, but I've had just about enough of playing the Leafs in the playoffs. So. You know, to get that possibility out of the way. Uh, I mean, they could meet after, I suppose. But mm-hmm. I'm just happy to not have to see the, you know, it'll, it, not having Montreal kind of stinks. But it's in a way having the Flyers as a substitute is definitely not a bad thing because there is a little bit of a fan base rivalry there. So anything that gets me less of the Ottawa Senators, though, I view <laughs> as a book. So I think the the new division with me for a little while. So would you say the defense then is the weak spot coming into this for the Bruins? Apart from the injuries, obviously. A mixture of the defense and really the offense. That sounds dumb. The defense and the offense. <laughs> they have no strength at all. No, I just, I think, you know, the defense, like I said at the beginning, hasn't been bad. They're just, they're young. Then they're they're going to lean really heavily on Charlie McAvoy really for as long as they can. Um, but they're missing other than McAvoy and, you know, Car- Brendan Carlo is, is good too, as is um, Grizzly. But, you know, the, the rest of that defense is, is either coming back from long-term injury like Kevin Miller or is still um, relatively green and, and Jeremy Lozon and Zaboral and whoever else might be plugged in. So it's, 
the fact that they're doing okay um, probably speaks as much about team defense and goaltending as it does about um, you know these young defensemen. But I think they've acquitted themselves nicely so far. It's just you know they've played the Devils and twice and the Islanders once. The Islanders obviously have some high-end skill, but I, I would definitely say that the Flyers are the best team they've played so far. Um, so I'd be interested to see how those second and third pairings, uh, third pairing in particular, matches up against some of the um, Philly forwards because, you know, again, they're not terrible, but they're young. They, you know, they're three games mm-hmm. into new pairings, new um, ice times, things like that. So I think, yes, I, I would say that it, that's maybe not a weakness so much, but as an area that, that could potentially be exploited by a good team. So, um not that the Islanders are not a good team, but I think they're not at the same level as the Flyers right now. So I think God, it's a so test for. Well, I'm, I'm sick of the Islanders because every time they play the Islanders, we have to hear the same 2015 draft take over and over again. <laughs> so you have to hear about um, about Barzal and whoever else the Bruins didn't draft. Like, yeah, Connect we me. get it. <laughs> yeah, that too. Yeah. See the thing is he he wasn't he wasn't as uh as much of one until I I forget when the game was but whenever it was that he turned Patrice Bergeron inside out a couple of years ago that was when people and I think you know it's not that that it was like a devastating game for the thing but I remember watching that and like oh, that guy's pretty good and then he came up as well and and the other one is I know I don't know why you can tell me how he's viewed by by Flyers fans, but I I started doing this thing years ago where every time David Pasternak scored, I would say who the other team drafted instead of him in the first round. And a lot of times it was hilarious. Like the Islanders, I think, was like Michael Dalcole, who I don't even know. Oh, but the Flyers was Travis Anaheim. And for a while, that was fine because he like wasn't even playing for the Flyers. But now he's around, right? I don't know how, yeah. how good he is. He's pretty good. He's yeah, got, so see, he's, even things like that, like that, that was that was good ammo for at least Twitter and now all of a sudden, like, all right, well, he's doing fine, so I can't really say that. So yeah, I'm sick of the Islanders for that reason. It's just we know the draft sucked. Everyone knows that it wasn't a good draft. So I let's mean, let's on else, but yeah, we'll see. If you told me I could trade Travis Sanheim for David Pasternak one for one, would not be a difficult choice. <laughs> Just gonna say that you guys, and you guys won that one. <laughs> you could do that for for every draft, and and again the I know yeah the thing about that draft with with Barzell, um, the two picks, the two of the three of so, um Zaborl and DeBrusque were picked relatively in line with what they ranked, but um, Sweeney went way off the board with Zach Senishin, and he mm-hmm. is the one of the three who has really not panned out. Um, he's on the taxis squad and make an appearance at some point but you know they had two guys and both two of the guys they drafted instead of um barzell were in the lineup against the islanders on monday and did fine it's when you see a guy is hey it's the same thing we talked about before when you see a guy who's as talented as that you want him on your team and when Bruins fans know they could have drafted him it becomes the end of the world but we're a dramatic bunch that's just how it is people love to complain so <laughs> just like philly fans exactly 
So I'm actually glad that you mentioned that that this is kind of like the biggest test for the Bruins thus far because this is certainly the biggest test for the Flyers thus far as well. Like they have not played a good hockey team yet. They've got, you know, the Penguins that are got some stuff going on there. And uh, the Sabres obviously are not. The Sabres have like some – the Sabres actually having watched them now are better than I expected them to be, but they're still like not very good. So this is, I think – I'm interested to see with the injuries how the Flyers are able to handle what is obviously the best team that they've played so far in this young season. So should be fun for both of us, I think. Yeah, and I, I would think too, you know, the the Devils are not absolutely horrible, but I would say that they, you know, they probably have fewer fewer good pieces, obviously, than um than Buffalo does, so the Bruins haven't played a team really a team like that, and the uh, Islanders are, are okay as well. But you know, the the Bruins played Flyers in the bubble and did not look good in doing so. Um, so and I know that was weird, weird bubble hockey time, and they really didn't look good that entire um, you know summer. But to me, you know, if you're looking at the division before um, the season started, I'd I'd think you'd put the you know, Bruins and Flyers as a couple of the teams who'd, who'd battle it out for, you know, first, second, third, along with maybe Washington and Pittsburgh and whoever else. So, and I, I, I think the Islanders are okay. Um, but to me, if if you're looking at the top four, you'd probably put, put them in a blender of the Capitals, Flyers, um, Bruins, and Penguins. And, you know, this is the Flyers' turn, uh, the Bruins' turn to play the Flyers. So it's interesting because it'll, I guess, like, you said it'll be a test or a measuring stick of sorts for for both teams, and you know could be a big boost for the the Flyers if they can not only hang with but you know beat the Bruins, and it could be the same as vice versa because I think you know Bruins and Bruins fans know the Flyers are, are on their way up and handled the Bruins pretty well in the bubble. So if they can come out and <laughs> scoring a five on five goal would be a start, but if they can come out and play well against the Flyers. You know, it'll probably ease some of the the dramatics and concerns on, on this side of the aisle, um, you know, a few games into the season. The last thing I'm going to ask you is for some shot-in-the-dark blind guesses. Give me a score for tomorrow night's game and how you think this series will go. Uh, I would say tomorrow I'll say 3-1 to one Bruins. Uh, and the series, you mean the, the season series as a whole or just, the nah, upcoming? just these two, just these two games. I would say, I would say they split. Um, yeah. maybe, maybe the second one, the Flyers win in overtime or a shootout if I'm going to pick the Bruins in regulation. But, um, I, I, again, is anything really that surprising? No, but I would be surprised yep. if, if this early in the season with all the rust and figuring things out and injuries on both sides, I'd be kind of surprised if one team won both uh mm-hmm. especially if one team won both handily so um i would say they split them in some fashion maybe one in regulation and one in, hopefully not not a shootout because i'm not sure well brad marshall scored in the shootout against new jersey but if he's shooting in a shootout against philly again he might have uh <laughs> flashbacks <laughs> to forget the last year so 
No, you know what? Maybe we, maybe he needs to exercise his demons. He needs to get it out of the way this early and get back <laughs> on the Philly horse. So we'll see. I know that must have been like a very bad thing for you to watch, but I got to tell you, it brought me so much joy when it happened. Oh, and even it thinking was about it, it was so absurd. It was so it was so funny. It was great. It was like some it was one of the things watching. You know, obviously, you know that happens in the heat of a playoff race, and it costs the Bruins spot or something that it's not as funny but yeah. watching it live it was just like there's no way there's no did he actually touch the, yeah he did all right great so that counts and it's just like <laughs> it's one of those things where it's funny because I, I found it the other day yesterday i think and I, I tweeted the video again but it's one of those things where it's it's almost so absurd that it's it's hilarious i mean it's hilarious but the other one was a couple of years ago when uh tuka ras skate blade fell off during the playoffs against the lightning and they oh, scored yeah. a goal on the play and he picked up the skate blade and held it up at the ref like a knife and then threw it across the ring. so at the time it made it a one goal game and and the Bruins lost that series I believe they won that game but even watching it then it's like it's okay to laugh just because just because it hurts the team you're cheering for it's still hilarious and then I mean the the memes especially on Twitter after the Martian thing were hilarious it's okay to laugh like it's great it's still it's still funny to this day and he you know he scored on his first attempt this year against New Jersey, so maybe he's okay. But you know, <laughs> I know, I know from from your perspective as a, or you know, from a non-Bruins fan perspective, I imagine there's not a better guy you could wish for that to happen to <laughs> than, yeah. than someone like yeah. Marshand who has made a, a a living out of getting under people's skin, and then he forgets the puck and shoot out and loses the game. So it's funny, you know, that's what happens in Bruins Flyers games. There's always something weird. I have so a weird. Knows? We'll get something weird tomorrow. Yeah, I have a weird fondness for Brad Marchand because I lived in Halifax for six months, and literally every single person that I met had a Brad Marchand story, and it made me very happy. <laughs> Apparently, yeah. he drinks and pees all over the city, just peeing everywhere. Everyone I mean, had a story about Brad Marchand peeing someplace public. Based on uh, stories about him after the Stanley Cup in 2011, I would say that that you know there's. <laughs> tracks right in there I, I wouldn't i mean i didn't hear any, any quite as uh obvious as being in public but he is someone who uh certainly lived it up after they won the stanley cup so hey i mean that he so plays as well as he does him. if he wants to yeah, yeah he wants to wants to have maybe maybe don't you know be in public you can probably reel that in a little bit but yeah. uh you know whatever have a yeah good time. exactly He's exactly. a guy everyone wants you. He, everyone wants him. It's stupid. It's a cliche, but everyone would be happy if he was on their team, especially now that he's only gotten better all around every year. So yeah, for we're, sure. We're, I think we're happy to have him here, and we can excuse a, a hilarious shootout misstep every once in a while. <laughs> all right, just for the record, I'll say that I also think that the Bruins are going to win the first game of this little two-game stint. I'm going to say 2-1 Bruins. Um, and then I think the Flyers will win kind of big on Saturday. Maybe like, I don't know, 4-2 or something like that. 4-1. Who the hell knows? Yeah. It's making it I up. Mean, I mean, I, I just, I don't, I just don't, I don't see, given that I, I you know, neither team, I, I don't think has hit their stride yet. I would be surprised if, mm-hmm. if, um, one team took both. Like I said, you know, a fluke or, you know, a weird bounce maybe in overtime or something, sure. But I, I would think that, you know, this is a good measuring stick mini series 
here for both sides. And I think that, you know, each team will have something to, to take home, um, you know, when the little the little series is over. So, yeah, it's going to be fun. Whatever happens on Saturday, I think a lot it's more fun. Be... <laughs> Whatever happens Saturday, we're going to have, a, I think, a, a really good time because the way the Flyers have been going with these little two game series has been the first game, two teams clearly figuring each other out, standard hockey game. Second game, absolute shit show of emotion. Like just two teams that hate each other. And it's been, I'm into it. I kind of, I'm kind of digging the way that this weird schedule is going so far. It's been fun. Well, and it, it happened a little bit for the Bruins too, because in the in the season opener, um, you know, I don't think anyone can really have a rivalry with the Devils at this point because they're just um, they're, <laughs> they're like so the bad. wild yeah. conference. Like nobody cares really. Um, but. You know, Miles Wood ran into Tuka Rask like three times. I think he got two penalties and then hit him another time too um, in that first game. And then you know, the second game, Kevin Miller and him got in a fight. And it's like, oh, cool, there's a rivalry. But, you know, maybe not a rivalry. There's a little animosity for it. And this is fun. And then they played the Islanders. And again, who, who cares? Seriously. Who cares about the Islanders? You can't even really summon that many feelings about the Islanders. They're just kind of there. Annoyance. Uh, so I think, That's all I got for them. <laughs> and even... Yeah, like, it's more indifference. It's like, yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, you're, you're there. Great. Like, I, at least the Rangers, there's some history involved in mm-hmm. things like that. And I know the Islanders were good back in the day and stuff. But I think it'll be fun for, for Bruins fans um, and Flyers fans as well to kind of kick this off because, you know, I think we're all expecting by one or at least one, if not both teams, to kind of be right there at the end of the season at the top of the, the division. And then, you know, it's good. It's, it'll be good to get a little animosity going and a little uh, mm-hmm. maybe rekindle the rivalry from back in the 2010-2011 stretch. And ideally not with a playoff collapse again. But hey, who knows? It's, it's, been, a weird, it's been a weird couple of years. Who knows what could happen? <laughs> yeah, I, I would predict that by the end of the season, the Flyers and the Bruins are going to want to kill each other, like in the very best way. It's going to be a lot of fun, I think. Um super excited about it but dan thank you so much for hanging out this is actually really good longest one i've done so far this season so thank you for that um yeah we've got two games 7 p.m both nights which is nice 7 30 p.m p.m starts our garbage um yeah dan thank you so much i hope that you enjoy the games if you guys want to learn a little bit about the bruins head on over to stanley cup of chowder which is an excellent blog and also excellent follow on Twitter. One of my favorite of the SB Nation hockey blogs to follow on Twitter. You guys are funny. Um, so check them out. They do excellent work. Dan, thank you so much for hanging out with us. I hope you enjoy the game and go Flyers. Oh, thanks and go Bruins or go fun. <laughs> Just a good game. That's all we want. <laughs> <laughs> These two teams, everybody have fun out there. Yeah. That's, that's Pierre Maguire's specialty. Yeah. Let's go have fun out there.